Welcome to the Golf Marketing Podcast. My name is Rodney, and alongside me today, I have Duncan and Brian. How are you doing, guys? Fantastic. Great, thank you. Awesome. Today, we're going to be talking about marketing best practices, or if you like to call it Marketing 101. We will delve into those effective strategies that are prescribed as being good to make a habit of. And um, I'll start with Brian today. What are some of these best practices that can be applied in a day-to-day perspective? So I think one thing that you need to start with before going on to any sort of strategy is looking at analytics and data. So um, this can come in a number of different forms, whether it be website analytics, data from like a member survey, um, you know, any sort of numbers from, from the, the point of sale system, anything that you can look at to help determine, you know, what did I do and did it work? You know, did my marketing, did it, did it lead, drive leads to the website? Did whatever I did in the pro shop this year, did it increase sales through your point of sale, et cetera? So that, that's a really big one that I think oftentimes gets overlooked. And even, you know, a membership database or a database of people that have bought seasons passes or punch cards or whatever, yeah. what can we learn about those people? Like, where do they live? How much do they spend? The more you know about who you're trying to talk to and what you're trying to do, the better off you're going to be in, and you'll be able to make sound marketing decisions. Yeah, I think overall, um, the, the analytics and data is often overlooked. People just jump right into um, let's do the, stuff, the, the end game, yeah. the strategies, the, you know, let's make money with this, or this is going to you know, blow everything out of the water, where um, really a lot, of, a lot of businesses need to take a step back and just say, okay, from the get-go, who am I talking to? Yeah. What are their needs? And what, have we, what kind of data do we have to support that assumption? Because lots of people also have assumptions that they think they know who they're talking to, like i.e. Um, I want to hit golfers, but they don't really know who those golfers are and they don't actually like split them up into separate groups of golfers, ones that play you know, weekly or women or men, seniors, Families, yeah. ones that play all the time and members. I mean, there's a lot of different um, dynamics involved here and assuming that you know your your ideal customer is just a golfer is a mistake for a lot of these golf courses. And I think a golf course too, if, if they're kind of sitting there saying, well, I don't have a lot of data. One of the first logical steps to me is start collecting it. So do you have analytics on your website? How do you keep track of people coming in? Do you collect postal codes from even just the green fee players? Like even, you your, fa- to, even your Facebook profile Facebook, has data yeah, your on Facebook demographics page. too. The more you can find out, the more data you can collect, the more successful you're going to be. I mean, I, don't, I can't think of too many companies that go into things completely cold and just make a lot of guesses and come out on top all the time. That just doesn't happen. Yeah. So the, the data is a, a really important step. And it can be tedious. I mean, a lot of people don't like numbers. They don't like looking at that stuff. But that's really important to, to learning more about your business and more about your customer. And really, in the end game, you kind of start to identify gaps. If it's um, if you all of a sudden say that your your main customer is is the one that's going to buy a membership, and yet your membership sales are dropping year over year, um, that's how you start to develop um, strategies around um, actual numbers and actual data. And that's a lot more effective way to build a business. Um, kind of moving on from that, though, is is some of the some of the things when um, you're getting all this data, you're going to bring it forward and basically um, begin to understand who your audience is. So you want to build audience profiles. So you understand who your target markets are for whatever service uh, or product product you have to offer, because all of a sudden, once you understand who these people are, um, you know, where they live, how old are they, their family makeup, their income, um, you know, what drives them, what are some of their pain points or maybe perceptions about the industry in general. This can help you better pick the, the um, kind of services you offer at the golf course. Also, you know, the products um, that you have in your business from, you know, stuff in the pro shop or even um, drinks and food and beverage um, to leagues 
and so on and so forth. So when you kind of start from the ground up here, you have a much, um, you know, a, a much better footing to, to build these strategies out and they kind of make sense um, from the very start of the data all the way to the end process. Because you're right, you said it earlier too, you can't just assume, oh, my audience is golfers. Well, yeah. think of all the different types of golfers and they're each going to have things that make them tick and things that they like and things that they don't like. And that's what you need to, to learn more about. And I mean, even going back to, you know, look at other industries when you go somewhere like uh, even the grocery store and they ask for your postal code. Well, they're not just doing that for the heck of it. They want to know where you're coming from so they can strategically decide where to put, you know, flyer drops or whatever. You're even, you know, the, the reason that, that cards exist like a Safeway or Sobeys card or whatever the case may be, those loyalty programs, it's to collect more data on the customer so they can give you a more tailored experience. So well, it's also to reward people who, yep. are, who are loyal to the business and the brand, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anything you can find out about people and then build those audience, those groups or those silos, that's that's going to help you in the long run. I mean, even from a social media standpoint, you know, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and whatever else you might want to be on social there's different groups for each of those. You know, you might use Facebook to talk to a certain group, but you might use Twitter to be in touch more with the media and the local government and local businesses as opposed to Facebook being more the individual. So even within those individual social media channels, the different groups can can be at play there too. So yeah, and then once you understand these audiences, it, it kind of comes down to products. And I kind of mentioned this before, but um, you should take a real hard look at the products that you're offering and services you're offering and making sure that they align to the audiences that you're trying to attract. Um, I mean, this comes down to looking at your advertising as well. I mean, are you actually advertising to the right people who would be interested in the services you're offering? Um, and also looking like, are, are the services you're offering, you know, solving their problems? They have needs. Um, they want something from you. So does this fit the need of those audiences? And we talked about this before in previous podcasts where if you're trying to target tourists, um, thinking about their needs, you know, they probably want to come in for the whole day, um, grab a meal, definitely likely have a cart as well. Do you have a package deal? Do you have something that fits that need? Mm -hmm. Or are you just forcing them to piecemeal it themselves and more or less creating kind of a pain point about the whole experience? Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, if, if, if you see, if you identify certain audience groups that you want to market to, you have to ensure that your products match them because it's fantastic if you decide that I want to make a real push towards family golfers. But if you don't have a package that's suitable for them, you're wasting your time trying to market, you know, square peg, round hole. It, it won't work in the exactly. end. So um, making sure those products kind of match up. And, and you mentioned too the idea of solving the audience's problems. If you're able to put packages together that an audience member can look at and go, yeah, I appreciate all I'm getting in that package, the value I'm getting, then all of a sudden you can charge the rate that you really want to. Perhaps it's a little bit more because you're adding additional value to a package and to a, to a product that people are okay with paying a little bit more. Yeah, because it ends up looking more attractive to them then. Yeah, yeah. so you know, like Duncan together. said, if it, does, it, does a package include something to eat or a cart or range balls? By grouping in some of those things and creating a larger span of product offerings, you have more to offer people. And when packages are available, people will look at that and look at the value that they get and then the price and they'll say, you know what, I'm, I'm completely fine with that because I think I'm getting you know, a good, a decent value out of it. Okay, yeah, and um, Duncan, I'll turn to you. Um, carrying on from that, what's something else that we can look at? Um, well, I think once you sort of understand the, the flow, the, the, the basic um, use of data, the getting your audiences, to getting your products, 
um, it, it kind of leads into um, how you can learn more about your competitors and understand what they're trying to do. Um, and you may even learn that there's a very, very much disconnect between um, their offerings and their products. I mean, you don't have to tell them, but of course, um, now you kind of understand how this, this process all works. And by looking at your competitors, you can get a sense of who they're trying to target. And then looking at, does it make sense for you to be going after those exact same customers? Or should you be trying something a little bit different? Or are even those customers the ones that you want to be attracting? So um, by understanding what your competition's doing, um, in relation to what you're doing, you can get a sense of how you're differentiating yourself in the marketplace, what makes you unique, um, and what kind of makes people come to you versus them, uh, and vice versa. And I think understanding that whole dynamic is really one of the, the forefronts of, of basically any kind of business practice, best practice, is, is understanding your impact in the market compared to your competitions. Um, and then as long as you have your ducks in the row with how the data aligns and the services you offer, you'll likely find yourself out, out on top. And making sure you align with your data is important because you might look at what your competitors are doing and they're offering certain things. You don't need to go and copy them. If you see in your data that your audience is different, don't offer the same products that somebody down the street does just because they're doing it. If it doesn't match your your audience and your you know your goals and align with all that, then do, do be different. Do what is best for your audience. Yeah, and a classic example of this is, um, I see it quite often that, you know, Two courses who are you know within a couple of kilometers of each other have their men's league on the exact same days. Mm -hmm. um, you're basically you're not giving other people opportunities or a change um, as an option. Um, make sure that if you're going to do that sort of a thing, you, you offer it on a different day because maybe you'll you'll attract a new audience. I mean, it's as simple as that. Thinking about what days they have their le league days and yours. Um, same thing for specials. I mean, if you're just offering the same thing they are, you you're not really you just it's a it's a all toss. They don't really know who to go with. And it's really about um, trying to stand out, not fit in with what everyone else is yeah. doing. So you have to um, be careful how you focus on your competitors so that you don't get lost in just trying to do what they do. Yeah, you don't want to be like one up on the Joneses type of thing. If you're different, be different. And I think too with competitors, it's interesting in that for the longest time, people would look at competitors as the enemy and we have to beat them and we have to be better than them and that's all fine. But oftentimes they can be allies too. You know, if if you if you're in an area with a number of golf courses and you're attracting people from outside of the area to come as a bit of a destination, there's a good chance a player is going to play multiple courses. So instead of looking at the guy down the street saying he's my competitor, what if instead we actually changed that up and said, why don't we work together and we can offer a package where people can play around at your place, around at my place and maybe around it somewhere else too, right? So I don't think you need to, to always look at them as the enemy. Oftentimes there's there's opportunities to collaborate and learn. And, um, and you know, oftentimes in, in, in smaller towns or cities, you're kind of all in it together. Like you're trying to attract people to a destination, you know, work together and you might have a better chance of succeeding. Yeah, and uh, as they say, there's strength in numbers, right? So For sure. uh, sometimes what you're basically doing is using your strength and the other competitors' strengths to um, build both attract. Yeah, up. yeah, exactly. So everybody benefits, right? It's a win-win. No, for sure. And Duncan's mentioned the example before of, you know, places close to us here in Edmonton. You go into the Invermere Valley in BC and there's a whole bunch of courses all down the one highway. Oftentimes they'll work together and offer opportunities for people to play multiple courses on like a almost like a mini membership or mini package where I can play three or four courses over the span of a week. Well, if they were to compete against each other, it would be kind of is there, there perhaps is less of a reason for me to go there. But when they're all working together and saying, come golf in the valley, 
here's all the different offerings we've got. People might be more on board to go, you know what, I'm going to go there because look at all the different courses I can play. And then on top of that, they're splitting the cost of the marketing, right? Yep. So it's it's not like one person's fronting everything and trying to get that one person. All of a sudden now we have a destination that we've created yeah. and that money for you know buying that magazine spot or the radio or, or, or online ads, for example, is all split between four or five partners and the cost actually becomes a lot more reasonable when you do it that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I mean... Um, kind of the last step that I think a lot of businesses um, overlook is the classic um, SWOT analysis. Um, and you know, SWOT is an acronym. It stands for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Um, and and sort of it's a it's more of an analysis that you do to kind of understand you know what um, what are your strengths as a business, um, what are your differentiators, what make you special or unique compared to your competitors. Um, then also looking at things like your weaknesses, like what areas do you not succeed in as well as some of your other competitors, or what things are out of your control um, that you may not have um, you know, any, any chance of fixing, but it's simply something that you're aware of that can cause um, you know, decreased uh, sales. sales like winter. Like winter. Mm-hmm. Weather mm-hmm. is a very mm-hmm. classic one. Or course conditions is one mm-hmm. too, which is usually impacted by the weather. But um, Opportunities is another one. Uh, this is one of those things where you look at, uh, look at your business and, and look um, for specific opportunities, specific money-making opportunities or even um, you know internal changes, or maybe it's training, like anything that's an opportunity that you feel will um, bring your business up to a new level in the eyes of your consumers. And then this is this is what I kind of call the low-hanging fruit. It's the stuff that you can do relatively quickly. Um, some of it may take longer, but I mean relatively quickly for a quick win. Um, it's things that you should probably implement within a year, or at least set a timeline so that uh, you know you're accountable to those to those opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, and lastly, in threats is kind of the last one, and this is. This is not always just your competition. Um, we talked about this a little bit before, but you know the market can definitely be one. You know, people don't have money um, to spend on the golf courses, or maybe it's simply they don't want to be playing golf anymore. I mean, there's the whole sentiment of the golf industry, you know, more or less dying or being a, a dated pastime. Um, things like that are threats that are kind of beyond your control. Um, public sentiment, um, some other ones, even financial. So. Just some things to think about, but I mean, holistically, it gives you a real good sense of you know your your business position, business's position in the marketplace, um, and gives you kind of a guideline on what to do next. Yeah, and I think it's a good way to build a bit of a a baseline for things. Like if you were to do a, a SWOT every few years, and based on the SWOT, pull out a couple of like actionable items. Like, okay, you know what? Out of the SWOT, we identified these things as things we need to do better, and then we also identified these opportunities. Let's kind of put this stuff together and come up with three actionable items for the next two years. If we're able to do this, this, and this, we think we can increase revenue by X percent or maybe decrease staff turnover by this or whatever the case Tangible may be. Tangible goals. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's the big thing is it's cool to do a SWAT and then go, well, I've done it, see you next year. You gotta have some actionable items out of it, otherwise you're just wasting your time doing a SWAT. Uh, so, for, the, for the SWAT, I've got a question. Would you recommend that uh, the SWAT just be internal or actually look at um, other places like social media, listen to what people are saying about you yeah, to kind of come up with those things? And your or, members too. Yeah. You know, if they're paying money to come to your course every year, I would get them involved, they get your staff involved. Because if you do it simply as a manager or a pro, you see things a certain way through your eyes. And now for some people it might be, no, everything's great at the golf course. What are Tunnel you talking vision, about? Yeah. Yeah. Vision, yep. You know, I got to go talk to the frontline workers and we've all been there as frontline workers where our managers or our, the head pro or whatever, they don't see what we see on a daily basis and they don't see, you know, the issues we have with dumb little things. Like, you know, when we go to use the credit card machine, 30% of the time the 
connection fails and we have to run it again. That's a big deal for a frontline worker where somebody sitting in the office or in the back might not think it's that big a deal. It's like, oh, well, we'll have to look at that. Someone just has to wait a little bit longer. Yeah, that's a big, big deal, right? Yeah. So it's those, sometimes it's those little things and those little pain points that can end up being, you know, weaknesses or even threats. Like if you can't get things running the way you need them to run, people are going to go elsewhere. It's going to cause little tiny headaches, not just with, uh, with the consumer, but with staff too. Yeah, and I think one thing about SWATs is is these are action items. These aren't these aren't like Brian mentioned. It's just not like a you know do this and then file it away. It, it's something that you know you have to keep an eye on your strengths and make sure that they're still your strengths. Are you losing ground in the market with those strengths? And then how are you showcasing those strengths to to your audiences? Um, same thing with opportunities. If you if you see year over year the same opportunities sitting on that list, you're not using you're not a SWAT. Doing anything <laughs> yeah, you're not doing right. anything yeah. about it. You got to make sure that these, these <laughs> items are always changing. They should never really be the same. Um, and making sure that you know you're 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 taking advantage of this this exercise. Yeah. You look at the biggest companies in the world completely outside of golf. Part of the reason they stay some of the biggest companies in the world is because they evolve and they learn from their mistakes and they look at data and they analyze things that have worked in the past and make assumptions on what might work in the future based on things that we've learned in the past. And they're always evolving. They're always staying ahead of the competition. And those that don't, no matter how big you are, eventually are going to kind of fade away. So that's, I think that's really what a SWOT analysis comes into, comes into play. All right. Um, I, I, I do like what you said there because I feel that what that means is you cannot rest on your laurels. Mm -hmm. No matter what happens, you just have to keep on um, looking for ways to improve because, as it were, things are changing quite drastically. And um, some companies which were amazing a year ago, they're not even there now. So you just have to make sure that, you know, you stay on top of it. Anyway, uh, moving on, I think uh, it's time to have a lightning round. Oh, I like the lightning round. <laughs> Let's do it. Cue up the lightning round music, Rodney. Uh, no doubt. Okay, <laughs> okay um, for the lightning round this time, um, Let's look at what are some things we've learned. Ooh, outside of what we've talked about today? Outside of what we've, we've talked about, about today. we've learned about marketing over the years. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. I, I got one. I you got know one. what? Yeah, let's start with Duncan. All right. I mean, I think, <laughs> I think one of the biggest things that I've noticed is that customer experience matters, and it matters almost more so today than it did in the past. I mean, you've always heard that, you know, um, you know service is, is, a, is an important factor of business. But I think nowadays, um, with our kind of interconnected society, we have um, the ability to review businesses quite easily and effectively on, uh, you know, things like Google My Business, Facebook, Yelp. There's yeah, there's 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 hundreds of different sites out there. But by going the extra mile every now and again with the customer, that's that's all you have to do, and then you start to get those good reviews coming in. But if you have a give them um, a reason to give you a bad review. Um, they likely are going to do it. If they have if they have a beef out to get you, then they're going to take the opportunity to blast you on social media, and not just one. If they really annoyed, they'll go through all of them. So it's one of those things where you need to make sure that you're taking care of your um, customers and making sure the customer experience is a forefront because. Um, it's really, I mean, that's, that's the bread and butter of a lot of businesses nowadays is, is we're becoming um, very much review oriented to peer. Um, we want peer reviews on everything we see online. I want to hear from my friend that this golf course was awesome before I'm going to go and play it. Um, that's really going to matter in the long run. So, you know, experience and, um, sorry, employee training, um, those sort of things are becoming more and more important than they ever were before. Do you think it'd be safe to say that social media and the power of reviews in a way have made customers may be a little bit hypersensitive to bad service? 
I think that's a, a fair statement. I, I would say that's very true. And I think it's also, <laughs> from the business end of things, um, made them kind of step up their game a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that's the big thing with, with anything when you talk about reviews is it's great to have reviews. It's better to do something with the data from reviews. So if, I, if I'm a golf course and I say, we listened to what you said and this is what we did because of it, now you're showing, hey, we listened and hey, we're not afraid to make changes. That's where the real power of reviews come in because you can sit there and get reviews all day, but if you never do anything about it, you're just getting reviews all day. So Yeah, and most times when um, someone complains about something, it's because they feel that they were not listened to. Mm -hmm. So what you need to do as a business is obviously listen to uh, what people are saying and be sincere about it. Don't just uh, listen and say, hey, we'll do something about it and then just sit on it. Mm -hmm. I think mine would be on the, along the lines of a brand and managing your brand. You know, right from understanding, having some sort of corporate style guide and documents. This is how our logo is to be used. This is our our um, key messaging whenever we market somewhere, whether it be offline or online. And having some sort of consistent brand presence across multiple channels. I think that's a really big one. And I think sometimes, not just golf courses, but businesses in general kind of stray a little bit from brand. And that's good to an extent, but you want to make sure there's some sort of unified approach to how your business is displayed uh, all over the place. Yeah. There's so much noise out there now that people, you know, they're inundated with so much stuff. If the brand is somewhat not consistent, it never really burns into their memory because it always looks a little bit different or sounds a little bit different. So having that unified approach is really important. And then when looking at your brand and managing your brand, paying attention to how people view your brand. So not just on the review side, but also, you know, in the community or in the golfing community locally or beyond, how is our golf course viewed? Are we viewed as an extremely difficult golf course, an easy golf course, a golf course that always has poor condition or, or good conditions? Or slow. Slow, yeah. So, I mean, if you're viewed as the slow golf course in the area, how on earth are you going to get more business, right? If people go, oh, I'd play there, there's tee times available, but I heard it's always slow. So if you start hearing that and hear what people say, you need to combat that with content, with, you know, education and information or making basically. changes i mean changing yep. your tea time um the time frame in between tea times like, i mean there's things that you can do yeah um to start changing these perceptions yeah because they are going to in the long run they're going to play a big role in whether you know people are coming there because people talk i mean it's yeah. as simple as that yeah so make no, sure they're talking about the right things yeah <laughs> and that's a perfect like we've already talked about a perfect opportunity if you are known as the slow golf course in the area do something make changes and then tell the world you made changes and this is what we did to make it better golfers will appreciate that you know yeah. it's just like I, I years ago i went on a trip and i purposely stayed in hotels with really low star review ratings but you went in and looked and you actually saw that the hotel was paying attention to low star ratings and doing something about it it was a great place to stay like it, there wasn't anything wrong with it because i knew that they were listening and they were making changes they're on the right track okay um, that was a good lightning round right there. That was. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, I think uh, we've managed to go through just about everything. Yep. Yeah, I think so. All right. Um, quite insightful. Uh, I hope for everyone who's listening that um, you have some good takeaways there. Thank you, Brian, and thank you, Duncan, for um, that amazing podcast and your knowledge sharing with us. Thank you, Rodney. Thanks, Rodney. Okay. And to everyone listening, thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, we will see you then. Thank you.